0: Romance just speaks to me in terms of that banter and and spark and happy endings. And and that, that just, it makes me happy. It just makes me happy.
1: Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy. But it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. Hi, I'm Al Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, (laughs) see what I did there, conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. I am crazy stoked to introduce Sarah Whitney to the podcast. Sarah writes sassy contemporary romance that's always sunny with a chance to sizzle. She's an RWA Golden Heart Award finalist and worked as a print journalist and film critic before she earned her PhD landing in academia. She's a good pinball player. Me too! (laughs) And an expert at Shouting TV Opinions to anyone who will listen. Um, in a, we're going to talk about that. In a funny twist of fate, Sarah is married to a divorce attorney, and she likes to think that her happily ever afters keep their household in balance. She and her husband live in the Midwest, surrounded by books, cats, and half-empty coffee cups. Sarah, I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much.
0: I don't mean to one up you, but I think I'm more excited to be here. So thank you for inviting <laughs> me on.
1: <laughs> totally just keep going keep going <laughs> so i'm like totally i love that you are like a tv uh like a tv/film critic and i think that's so cool cuz i have another podcast about melrose place so the best worst show of the 90s it, and we just
0: look melrose place when we didn't have the internet got away with twists that nobody saw coming nobody heard i mean it You cannot recreate that in today's climate, and I I applaud Melrose Place for always keeping everybody just flabbergasted every week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny to rewatch it, you know, 20-odd years later, and in, like, Succession, Mm -hmm. And sort of like so quickly and then not having that sort of long break between seasons and be like, hey, wait a minute.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm somebody who didn't watch The West Wing when it was on originally. And so when I started watching it on Netflix, a friend of mine was just like, you don't know how we suffered in between seasons with no idea how this cliffhanger was resolved. So, yeah, the experience is so different to just you don't have the week or the three months over the summer. And okay. I'm grateful for the binge model, but kids today will never understand. They'll no, never they'll understand.
1: Never. <laughs> the writers decide they're going to throw away the old, uh, the old series Bible. <laughs> and it's just like, Whoa, what's going on? No, they will never understand. So, Hey, we're not here to talk about TV. We're here to talk about sex. Yes. we. Um, are. So, I'm, so, okay. When did you realize that you wanted to become a writer?
0: Well, I, uh, I'm I a very praise-driven person. And in seventh grade, when Mrs. Lutinen said on a paper she had graded and given back, you are such a good writer. You have such a good storytelling voice. I thought, oh. People like that I do this. I can do this. So <laughs> seventh grade teacher, uh the 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 praise and the feedback from her really is what kind of made me think, oh, oh, well, maybe this is something I actually could consider. So in college, I majored in journalism because that was a little more practical. You know, that's right. a career people put out one ads, or they did then <laughs> for journalism.
1: <laughs> Not anymore. Uh, yes, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, journalism <laughs> for career stability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: well, and, and of course, my my job, my day job today is I, I'm a professor of journalism journalism. So it's, it's still going to be there. It's just, we might be using different platforms, but the techniques remain. But, um, but as I was, you know, I, I graduated, I got a, a journalism job in, in a newspaper. That's where I did my, my movie criticism, moved into academia and, you know, you get your PhD, you get a job, you work toward tenure, you get tenure. And once you have tenure, that's when I had a little bit more freedom to look around and say, what am I not, where am I not fulfilled? You know, where am I not, creatively or um, you know, technically, where are my skills atrophying? And I thought, well, you know, I, I do all this kind of writing, this this information-driven, data-driven, research-driven writing, and it's, it's important and it's good and it's challenging, but there was a part of me that just wasn't being fed. <laughs> and so around the same time was the rise of Kindle Unlimited, well, not Kindle Unlimited, but um, e-readers and Kindle and the, the online publishing platforms that allowed a lot of voices to suddenly become available to purchase and to read. And there was just this influx of of romance that I had never seen before and different stories and different voices and different people telling them and I thought you know I could do that too and some of it was was so inspirational and some of it was like oh I could definitely do that (laughs) so it just I I had the, the free time in my schedule and all of a sudden there was this path forward to presenting work to people in a way that I thought, you know, I, I should try this. And I assume I'm not the only writer who thought, oh, I can do this and did a first draft and and, and realized, oh, no, I really can't do this. I have so much to learn. You know, I, I have so many people I need to consult with and um, seminars and workshops and right. and books of advice for writers. And, and so then, you learn and you level up and then you realize, wait, okay, I've, I've got the books so and now I have to figure out the marketing angle. And so it has just been one long climb and it's been so rewarding to, to do something yeah. so different and to get to break free of the, the day-to-day job and to do this wildly satisfying, endlessly creative pursuit.
1: So have you always been a romance reader? Like what drew you to the genre to write it instead of say thriller or something sure, like that? Sure, sure. So I
0: think I'm probably going to give you an answer that you're going to hear from a lot of people when you ask this question, which is, you know, romance is optimistic. It is yeah. a genre that privileges uh, the stories of women and the voices of women, the talents of women, uh, and not all women, of course. You know, I, I love how diverse the the romance field has gotten, but that is – it's just the only genre where you have – the freedom to explore emotions and feelings and, and sex and all these things in ways that aren't squishy or dismissed or an afterthought or shoehorned in. I, I have read really widely in other genres, you know, uh, science fiction and fantasy, uh, popular fiction, mystery, and, and I love them. And there's a lot of wonderful books out there, but romance just speaks to me in terms of that uh, banter and and spark and happy endings. And, and that, that just it makes me happy. It just makes me happy. Uh, <laughs> I, I I swear to you, I I'm like my Game of Thrones people. I, I I was burned too many times by popular fiction that killed one of the couples in a pairing, oh. and so I turned into Arya Stark with her her list of people to kill. You know, you've you've got Joffrey, Cersei, Walter Frey. One Day by David Nichols, The Imperfectionist by Tom Rockman, all these books that that kind of turned on a dime and gave me a really unhappy ending. Who's got time for that? Who's got time to invest in these people you love? Romance gives you... The good feelings, and it gives you the emotional catharsis. I've been married for five billion years. And so it's really fun for me also to read that first, you know, first meet, first kiss, first brush of the hands, first sex, first fight. It, it's the, this emotional roller coaster that I get to experience it along with these characters who I'm just so enjoying traveling with. So wow. a lot of I, I I don't think I'm unique in that. I think a lot of romance readers are the same way, but just the 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 happy, the squishy happy. That's what I love. <laughs>
1: Do you happen to remember, I'm sorry, I'm throwing you a bit of a curveball here. Do you happen to remember the first romance book you ever read? So <laughs> I have three different answers for that. I feel
0: like there are three different waves. Okay. Um, <laughs> when I was a sixth grader in band camp. Yes.
1: Love it.
0: Love it. Uh, I walked across the street to the the drugstore across from the campus where Bandcamp was being held and bought a book off the rack, a romance novel. And I remember reading it and thinking, this is really good. I really like this. I thought these were trash. How good? Why is this so good? And it's so fascinating to me in retrospect that as as a 13 year old, I was I was trained to think these books are disposable, right? These books are not quality. And so I I loved it. I have no, to this day, I don't know what the I cannot remember what the book is. I, I've tried to piece together what year it would have been, what month, what was out, what would have been a drugstore. It was American Revolution and she was an uh, American who, who was considered to be a spy and her love interest was in charge of executing her so he loaded blanks into the, the rifles.
1: This kind and of they, sounds good.
0: I know, right? And when they fired, she passed out from shock thinking she was going to be dead and so he smuggled her body away. This is all I remember if anybody out there knows what this I book is.
1: That book. Please tell me, <laughs> please, please tell me too. This sounds like something I'd really like to read. I, I would just
0: love to see, but it, it, it just, the, the emotions and the story and the epic sweep of the history, all of it just carried me away. And I was so shocked at how much I enjoyed it, but I didn't, you know, a I, I, I kid in junior high, isn't going to necessarily, you know, be able to seek out. And I just, I became an infrequent reader. Um, mm. And then when I was getting my PhD, Julia Quinn got me through my grad program. <laughs> really?
1: Okay. Um, yeah,
0: when I uh, was at a conference, uh, an academic convention in Kansas City, uh, there was not much else to do, and so I wandered down to the, the gift shop in the lobby. So it's kind of the same way I found it at band camp, right? I, boy, this is a deeply nerdy Bandcamp. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're stuck in a hotel in Kansas City at this academic conference, and what's in the gift shop are the, the paperback, you know... Uh, Right. Those kinds of books, and so I do know this one. It was Stealing the Bride by Elizabeth Boyle. It, it it looked good. I picked it up, and it was just fabulous. And so I just kind of went from there, and I found Julia Quinn, and she's so light and so quippy and witty. And I just I never looked back. It was all over for me then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can see the influence in your writing as you're sort of <laughs> saying that. That's sort of like light and witty and so much fun. Um, okay. <laughs> So, okay, we're here to talk about sex, so let's talk about sex. Everyone wants to talk about sex. I'm curious to you, what do you think makes a sex scene good? Oh,
0: it's so different for everybody, but for me... I love a sex scene that, that feels true to the characters. I, I love a sex scene that you couldn't cut and paste and put into a different book or with different people because of the dynamic and the characters and the way they communicate and, uh, you know, the, the, the way they interact. And I think for me, the, the biggest thing is the vulnerability. Right. No matter what the circumstance of the sex is. And and there are so many different circumstances. It's why I I love romance, because you get these varieties of, you know, that tentative first time or the passionate can't stop myself anymore. You know, we have to act on this feeling or the angry or the makeup or, you know, all of those. There's always vulnerability. There's always somebody is revealing something or desperately trying not to reveal something. And I think that's so Lovely and powerful to to watch something be exposed or something be like I can't let her know how much this actually means, and and <laughs> I adore that. Anytime there's a surprise, anytime a, a character a, a mild character a mild mannered character uh, acts out of character in in his or her daily life in a, a situation like that, I just love it. What doesn't work for me, and this is just a me personal thing, I. I cannot for the life of me write dirty talk. I cannot. And you are
1: not the first one to say this. That seems to be kind of like this. It, it must be it, yeah. it must be talent that
0: few possess and many covet. Because I when when dirty talk is done well in the books that I read, I'm just like, oh, how did you do that? Because for me, it, it turns pretty quickly on a dime, and dirty talk can get kind of silly in some settings. I think it can get a little, a lot of growly and a lot of, I don't know. So that's one thing that doesn't work for me. And it's it's actually a challenge I've tried to set for myself in a future book. Can I, can I do that? Can I write that? I don't, I don't know that I can, but I'll certainly try.
1: <laughs> is there I mean, Again, not to put you on the spot, is there um, a book or an author that you felt like did that dirty talk really well? Because I'm very curious, because you're right, it goes... It can sound so ludicrous. It can sound ludicrous if you're doing it with your partner, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be
0: embarrassed reading a love scene. And I don't mean prudishly. I mean, like, oh, my God, do humans actually say that to each other? Like, is that if my partner said that? And it's hard to know in the moment. And every couple has a different dynamic, but I'm not sure I'd like that. Hmm. Um <laughs> I'd say maybe Christina Lauren. I love her books. Um, I'm a lot of the things I'll probably talk about is going to pivot to contemporary romance, because that's what I write. And that's a lot of what I read now. Um, But I I do think Christina Lauren does a beautiful player has a great dirty talking hero, a beautiful stranger, (sighs) Max. So yeah, she does. Do as it's a pair writing, they do really great stuff.
1: I am so taking notes on that. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: can send you a whole list after this. Um, One thing I will not do in uh, a sex scene if I can help it, I really don't like the word panties. I just don't, it's not, it's, and my sister loathes it. And since she is one of my main readers, I think you'll find that word in maybe one of my books and not in a sexual way, just in a kind of funny toss off comedy way but that's it's just little things like that that it's it's it is a word that for me takes me out of a scene and if other writers have it in of course it's it's fine it's it's their writing it's their characters and it won't completely jar me but if i'm reading my stuff that would just throw me out cuz it's not a word i would use so do
1: it with panties yeah yeah it's a hard word cuz i'll i'll use it and i don't i slightly cringe at it
0: a lot of other if you read my books you'll notice i'm 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 either saying like lace or satin and i'm describing actual material or i'll say underwear sometimes but underwear is so like you know pull up your big girl underwear so (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: okay so when you what was it like when you sat down to write your very first sex scene okay so i've been
0: thinking about this And I barely remember what I did was went back on my computer and found the oldest draft of my first book that I could find. Oh
1: wow! And
0: it's from 2015. And I know I was working on it. That was a polished draft. So I had to have been working on it for 2013, 2014. So it's been, you know, six, seven years. I remember being like, oh, God, some other human is going to read this. And. I had to remind myself, people are going to understand, this is not me writing me, right? This is me writing this character and this right. character. And so understanding that audiences are going to separate, because I do think there can be kind of a, there's a sort of gross tendency for people who don't understand the genre mm-hmm. to say to a writer, oh, you do a lot of research with your husband. I'm like, you know.
1: yeah, 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 that creep factor, yeah. <laughs>
0: Maybe so, maybe not. It's not your business, first of all. (laughs) all, You know, don't, don't, you wouldn't say that to a mystery author do a lot of murders with your uh, cohort and crime there, right? Like, no, nobody does that. So uh, give romance writers the courtesy of understanding that we have curiosity, imagination, and the ability to create scenes. So um, I had to remind myself of all of that when I gave it to the first person to read, just to be like, here you go. Um, I think it was. The first ones were fairly perfunctory. I think they were pretty fast. It was just a little, it was a little, uh, this movement, this movement, this movement. And then the more I, I deepened my understanding of what readers want from that experience, I deepened the the emotions of each character and tried to give more meaning to the actions or slow down a scene so they could take stock and or or change Uh, that is the first sex scene I wrote actually ended up being in book three, just how the the series shook out. And so that was one that they had been, it's a slow burn romance and they had been waiting so long. And so it was frantic, frantic, frantic. And then I had this moment where they both kind of stop and realize this is happening. This is, this is us and we are in it. This is serious and we're going to move forward now. And I love the way I was able to switch them from gotta have you, gotta have you close off, close off to, it's you and me. Look me in my eyes, and this is, you know, this is how we're gonna do it. So so I think the the first scene was it, it evolved a lot from oh, that right. sort of perfunctory slap tab A slot B, <laughs> right? <laughs> Actually progressing the relationship from where they were in the previous chapter to where they end up at the end of of that one. And what's really interesting is um when I looked at that draft from 2015 and I compare it to the book that I published in March, which is when that book came out so much is different. I, I probably, it's probably 70% new content. I, I changed characters. I dropped entire chapters. I changed plots. The sex scenes from 2015 to what was published are almost identical. Yeah. So as once I polished those scenes in that early draft, they were really unchanged. And that I thought was just kind of a fascinating, either I had that figured out early on, or, you know, I am still growing and learning and, and have, have, areas to explore there as well but i just thought it was so i you know my 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 dialogue and fully dressed scenes were so different but boy those sex scenes just were consistent
1: that's really that's really pretty fascinating because i'm so, i'm sort of curious about you know your process so like to go through because i know sometimes when i'm writing them particularly because like the first one that i wrote wasn't even for a romance it was in an urban fantasy um, and it just one of my favorite ha- sex scenes is from an urban fantasy. Really? So. <laughs> yeah, well, that makes me feel good. So it was from my urban fa- one of my urban fantasies, and and I was sort of like I had to like stop, and kind of like look when I looked at it, and I was like going over in my head like what what would this what would this be like, and I was like oh my god, I this guy's an octopus like this is impossible. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> So there's a point now where I write very sort of like you know a this mm-hmm. just that you know so that I'm moving out the choreography and then going in and layering into it the emotions the sensations the senses and so I'm kind of curious how do you how do you what is your process So what I've found for myself is
0: I actually one of the first things I know when I'm brainstorming a new book is Their first sex scene. So that's something I write really early on. I know it's. I don't know if other people do it that way, but I am. I'm not a plotter. Definitely not. So what I need to get started in a book is I need to know who are my characters, what are their goals, motivations, fears, how do they meet, what's that conflict that sets them on a path together, and then what is what is their first sex scene going to be like? Where where is it? What is happening? Where are their emotions? And if I and typically then the final fight. Those are the things I need to know to launch into a book. And then from there I can. Can wander around that garden, you know, plucking, pruning, trimming, sometimes having to, you know, put a burn pile in and start <laughs> over. <laughs> but but yeah, when I look ahead to uh book five, I know how they meet. I know what their first sex scene is going to be. I still don't know their final fight yet, but I, I have a, a good sense of that. So I, I know what that needs to bring about in terms of change. So I start with the emotion. I start with the... Is it a fight? Is it a finally giving in? Is it a dare? Is it, a, you know, what is it that that gets them to this point? And then I don't quite know at that point where they're physically, where are they going to be located? What are they wearing? So a lot of times I'll have to have like a remove whatever they're wearing and then <laughs> notes because I don't know, are they coming from a fancy dinner party? Are they, have they been hanging out on the couch all day? You know, that, that kind of thing isn't clear yet to me in the path of my story, but I do know um, book five that I'm working on uh, what well, I should be working on <laughs> Very, any day now. I'm going to start working on book five. <laughs> um, that is a second chance romance. And so their first sex, I know, is going to be an angry. I don't want to want this as much as I do, but we both have to do this to so we can move on. Like we, we parted badly. We were suddenly in each other's orbit again. And I have to get this out of my system. And so it's going to be angry, but it's going to turn Unexpectedly, like we both are remembering, and we both remember how important we were to each other. God damn it! I hate this. So you know, I hate that I still feel this. I hope it's gonna be. I have such high expectations. So I, I, I know that that's the emotional beat I want to hit. So I don't yet know exactly how I know positions and I know some of the dialogue, but I have a lot to fill in. Does that kind of? Yeah, it
1: does. I mean, actually, that's sort of. I, I honestly, that sounds so good. That sounds so good. Um, I'm working on a book. I heard you say pinball also. I'm totally working on a book that
0: involves first sex on a pinball machine, or around a pinball. (gasps) Uh Uh Don't break the pinball machine. Those are
1: expensive.
0: (laughs) Those (laughs) are expensive to fix. (laughs) Actually hilarious because that is what I'm planning for that is, what do you think you're doing? Oh, God, I'm sorry. I thought you wanted this. No, no, I do. But do you want to break this machine? Go to the bedroom, (laughs) idiot. Like that's 100% the attitude there. (laughs)
1: Of uh, those who play pinball, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, probably not the best place to have sex because it might break. They're so fragile.
0: I mean, those legs are really spindly and it's a glass top. And if you nudge something, everything could just, everything. like, you're going to lose the ball. And, yeah. and there's so many double entendres and single entendres in that too. Like, oh, it's good stuff. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. I can't <laughs> wait to read that. I can't wait to read that. Okay. So we have, um, so Tempting Lies Is your next is your next book to come out on uh, September twenty eighth? September twenty eighth, probably probably go out right before um, your your pub date. Tell me about it. Set the book up for us. So.
0: This is a book four in the Tempt Me series. And both of these characters, uh, Thea is the heroine and Aiden is the hero, were introduced in book three. And this is the first time I've had both characters in the previous book. I always introduce at least one, you know, in, in the previous to spin off. But in this case, both of them are supporting characters from book three who I created to serve the main love story of book three. And so I was sort of locked into who are these people as they were sort of foils or objects of jealousy for the main character in three and then to take these two and turn them into their own people and their own characters worthy of love and able to come together was a really fun challenge but um, tempting lies is a fake relationship book with a reformed player who cannot escape his past he cannot escape that reputation of player but he needs to for professional reasons and so he turns to his former childhood friend and proposes a fake relationship can you make me look domesticated so i can stop scaring away clients at my father's business <laughs> <laughs> but he is a he's a he's a carpenter his his father uh, founded a, a construction business in town and he is needs to take it over because his father's having health issues but he finds that the clients are not crazy about having somebody who you know loved and left their daughter <laughs> five years ago at the helm and so then his childhood friend uh has a property that she, de- she her dream house is for sale she desperately wants to buy it but she can't afford the renovations well What if we strike a deal? What if Aiden does the renovations on the cheap? And in exchange, you know, Thea comes along, holds his hand, and makes it look like he's no longer the wild guy. And he's not. He's stopped his... His sleeping around but it's hard to convince a town who kind of knows you as that legendary like right. oh a- you know Aiden's the guy he's, he's the good time guy uh so that that's the story so I I love me some tropes I love me a fake relationship I love me a girl next door I love me a reform player who's baffled that he's catching feelings Ugh, there's nothing finer so that's that's the setup for this book and they these two were incredibly fun this this probably is the easiest book I've written so far it just kind really? of Explode, which is I was talking to a couple author friends of mine who've been in the business for longer and said, you know, book four, just, it just, it just came really easily. Have I figured it out? Have I cracked the code? And they all just laughed and laughed. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, books are just <laughs> a gift and others take a little more effort. And this one was a gift. So. <laughs> Enjoy it for what it is. <laughs> but this one is full of all this, this longing of, I, God, he's so cool. I didn't know I'd enjoy this so much, but this is just a relationship. We have an agreement in place. I can't, I can't overstep those bounds, you know? So I I love the deprival and the the longing on both sides, but both of them assuming that the other one is just playing that role. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's the title of the book is tempting lies. So they're lying to the public, but I think they also lie to themselves a lot about, I'm not worthy of him. I'm not worthy of her. Um, You know, these are what we agreed to and and I can't break those rules. So it's just they have to come clean with each other and you know it's a romance so they do but
1: (laughs) spoiler (laughs) alert they do (laughs) do. well it struck me um and I'm going to be reading the uh, some excerpts that we can talk about um was I love the humor the humor just got me and it was like and and not only the humor because obviously there are romances that are humorous but the humor within the actual deed itself was kind of perfect because right. you, I mean, you know, sex is great. Sex is beautiful. Sex is romantic. Sex is feeling. Sex is passion. Sex is funny. Mm-hmm. Sex is funny. We make funny noises. We do like, it. The, it and you felt like my, my hip is locking
0: up. Can we like, yes. you know, it's, if you <laughs> yeah. don't have that kind of relationship with a partner, I, I, and a lot of people don't, then that's fine. you know, like, if you, if you're, well, I shouldn't say that. That's, I feel like you should be able to say to your partner, oh, no, wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stop
1: it. <laughs> so I just want to read this, um, this quick little bit here. Okay. <clears throat> we are, by the way, in Aiden's head at this point in the, in the story. So my God killer. He taught, he tore his eyes away from the beauty sprawled in front of him long enough to rip open the condom and slide it on with clumsy fingers. He couldn't remember the last time he'd felt this rushed, this raw and eager when he stretched over her body, her hands gripped his shoulders. Okay, look, this is this got like right here. I was like, I love it. He's clumsy. He's a clumsy lover. He is like kind of like literally feeling his way around doing this thing and his hands aren't cooperating and they're not doing what he wants them to do. He is not being suave like at all. And I loved this. It made him so human.
0: I, and that's, you know what I said earlier about the vulnerability because he has this reputation women line up to go home with him at the end of the night, you know, on a Saturday at a bar and for him to finally, finally say, this woman i've been pretending to to be with all these weeks i i feel things for her and it is just short circuiting my game and and i adore that i adore that he just can't quite get it together to to be he knows that he has a reputation and he knows what she's expecting he he knows she's heard all the stories and so i just love that he he can't help but fumble because he's so overwrought by everything overwhelmed by everything that's happening
1: it's okay we're gonna dig into this now (laughs) Aiden was starting to feel like she'd fucked all the smarts out of him because he had no idea why she was upset he slid across the mattress to sit on the edge of the bed in front of her which put them almost at eye level he reached out and rested his hands on her hips giving her plenty of chance to back away she stayed put but she also stayed tense so he spoke gently I'm sex dumb right now so Talk slowly to me. What's what's going on here? Don't kick me out because I got off too fast. I was I was dying. I was dying because again, like he's, like he's supposed to be this player. He is supposed to be this sort of stud. Like like every you know, and and he just was frankly a horrible lay like he just couldn't control himself and he was just like boom it's over and she was kind of like okay like it was it was really really that those moments were really great and it was sort of like reading him it was almost like that sort of 16 year old kid that never had sex before and now Uh all of a sudden he's got this but the but it but it he's not the 16 year old kid with zero experience he's like he's like the the player of the town you know Uh which was great
0: and I, in some ways, I, I like to think that he kind of was, though, because it is so different with her, because he right. has been spending so much time with her, and he really likes her, and he'd like to keep seeing her again, and that's such a new experience for him that it all did make, I mean, if I may quote the philosopher Madonna, like a virgin, touched for the very first time, right? <laughs> like, it, it, it is his first time in some ways, because it's his first time with someone he actually... Kind of, sort of loves, even though it's going to be hard for him to say that right. word, right? It's going to be yeah. hard for him to get to that realization. But I just, yeah, I he, I, and he knows that it's actually really, it's not a, com- it's a compliment, right? Like it's right. he was so overwhelmed by her that it, it's a credit to his feelings. But she doesn't know that. All she knows is he's just like this. This is the guy everybody taught talk- this. Oh, it must be me. Yeah, so that. Thea.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so Thea's got her own sort of inner monologue going on that we see a little bit later. That was like, it must be me. Like, like, like I'm not attractive enough. I'm, I'm not. You know, he just likes to have sex, so he's just having sex, and it's very profound. And so it's, it must be me. And she feels something for him. And so, and so she. So they both kind of are in these places together and sort of almost in the same place together where he's like, Oh shit. And she's like, Oh shit. And they need to sort of like sort it out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the,
0: the buildup with her character, I feel like I've talked a little bit more about him than her, but she, he has never expressed any interest in her as he's worked his way through all the women in town. She was the girl next door. And so he's always kind of thought of her like that. And, and she knows he usually chooses slightly more, you know, glamorous stacked bodies. And she knows that, you know, she's she's pretty. She knows that she's attractive, but she knows also that the kind of woman he takes home is not her style of beauty. And so that's why all along she's she's thinking, nobody's even going to buy us as a fake couple. There's no way they're going to buy us as a fake couple. Uh, and then when you get them in the bedroom and he finishes so fast, she's just like, well, that seals it. He is not attracted to me. Oh my <laughs> God, I'm going to go crawl in a hole and die now. So I I just it, it pokes at both of their their wounds right it pokes yeah. at both of their tender spots this idea that you know he has this reputation that he doesn't particularly like that he knows he just let her down and she thinks it's because he just was being polite <laughs> and that's yeah so that that is a conversation i one thing i will say about sarah whitney characters they talk to each other i i do not like it when characters nurse grievances that don't get talked out really pretty quickly so i always try to clear up those things and Ian, even in this scene they're they're gonna they're going to talk pretty fast. Yeah,
1: they <laughs> talked it through. Well, th- this was sort of also... I'm going to read just a very short bit here that uh, the transition between going from his head to her mm-hmm. head, which I thought was absolutely beautiful, and also not something that I've seen in the middle of an intimate moment mm-hmm. where we suddenly lo- we, we change our perspective and we get into the other character's head. And I thought it was not only really well done, but also, like... R- uh, 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 like uh, the tra- like the transition itself was very cool to sort of see to go from him to her, particularly at this moment. So, um, so I think at this point, um, they've he's redeemed himself at this point, um, and she has an orgasm, and he's uh, and he's basically like saying, "Let's do this. Let's try it again. I bet you, you know, I can make you come a second time." She's like, "That's never happened," and so. Um, and then so she gives in and says, okay, we'll give it a shot. And, he, he, and we go from here. He kissed her once hard, thrilled by her small bit of bravery. I'm promising. Thea wasn't sure she was going to survive the night. Like, <laughs> I Should have set up. no. She said no promises. I don't promise that I'm going to have an orgasm, another orgasm. And he's saying, I'm promising. And then there's the flip. Thea wasn't sure she was going to survive the night. I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was really like I was like, this is so great. (laughs) Particularly. So I'm curious. Why did you decide to do that twist right there at that moment? I, I, there have been too many scenes that I've read
0: where I've thought, I would love to know what he's thinking. I would love to know what she is thinking. And I don't always do scenes like that where I, I flip in, you know, I, I, that I go from, from his and then it, within the same scene to hers like that. That's that's rare for me. But in this case, because there was so much miscommunication and misunderstanding about what had happened, I really wanted a peek at her as well. Okay. So as opposed to picking up the next day or picking up with, you know, fully clothed and, and sustaining themselves with carbs so they can go back again or whatever, you know, that, that you, you actually pick up in that moment. So I I just, because she had been so upset by the previous scene and by thinking that he just wanted to get it over with fast uh, out of pity or whatever. I just, I, I felt like we needed to really see her right away so we could see that she was accepting that. Okay. No, he really was into it and he really did, you know, feel something. And that's why that happened. I just, I needed to show people that she was okay too. I, I, I am, I I like my characters. I don't want to make them suffer. And so I Uh, wanted to make sure sure readers would understand. And also I think it's important that they see she has had, it's not low self-esteem necessarily. She just has an understanding of him and their relationship that is different than what is happening in his head. And so now we've seen in his head, his surprise at the, the rush of emotion he felt during this, I just thought it was important to see that she was coming around to it, too, because she is so tentative in her interactions with him sometimes when it comes to sex and desire. And it just I just wanted everybody to know that Thea was going to be OK.
1: <laughs> the, and speaking of this, this was such a gorgeous um, section. I absolutely loved I loved this again. We're still in Thea's head now. Can we go again? He looked up at her. Give me another shot to impress you. So I think now she's at two orgasms at this Mm -hmm. point. We're at two. Yeah. No, say no, because she'd been right. Aiden was magnificent and saying goodbye to him at the end of their fake relationship was already going to suck. But if she let herself sleep with him a second time, let herself watch him come apart again while he was inside her body. Well, she didn't know how she'd make it through that unscathed. Then he brushed his thumbs over her nipples and smiled at her with those eye crinkles that made her weak in the knees even before she'd known how good his tongue felt on all her swimsuit bits. And so all she could do was nod, too overwhelmed with everything that had happened on this magical bed, to speak. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. This was, like, without sort of, like, never once was this, I was falling in love. Never one, like, But you just sort of got all of her feelings out about him in these two paragraphs without her ever saying like this man, is this is the man for me. Like, but all of that came out in just these, you know, I don't know, 10 sentences of yeah. that really gorgeous writing. Thank you. Well, she's a realist, you know, she, she knows that they have
0: an end date that that's what they've agreed right. to. And so I think, and and maybe this is a reflection of something I do in my life too. setting realistic expectations. Like I can enjoy it to this point, but this is the, this is where it ends. Or, you know, I, I'm concerned if I don't remember in the end, this is how it's going to be that I'm going to give myself the wrong, I'm going to build up something that I can't come through. So she's just trying to keep herself in check and it just, it doesn't work. Poor Thea. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Overwhelming.
1: But yeah, now we're gonna get. Go, uh, oh God, go but
0: ahead. I I do think you know, and another another reason I wanted to show both of them is I when it's the first sex like this, and and for them they've been kissing and that's been it, and it's been mostly kisses for show in the fake relationship. So I I just I I always. When couples have their first time together in in fiction, I always want to see what both of them are thinking. And so this was just me having my cake and eating it too, right? We see him and how his reaction to that happened, and then I just I really wanted to see hers too. So I, I I don't always do that in my books when it's the first time to get into both of their heads, but in this case it just it there was the perfect opportunity to do it, and so it's something I would want to see. I always want to see what does she think, what does he think, or what does he think, what does he think, what does she think? You know, depending on your your gender compilation there and your coupling
1: given that you write you know before you set out to write your book you know the sex scene the first sex scene the first Mm -hmm. moment between them what part of this was that first moment for you when you like what was the one where you knew this was this this was going to happen that like because there's a bit that I I'm going to read here that is so like (laughs) get out your fans um and so (laughs) wow, cold water, cold water. Um, or was it the fumbling bit? Or was it, I'm very curious what came first.
0: It was the fumbling and the miscommunication that came That's first. Right. It That's was right. it was him being in such a rush and so excited to finally be with her that he finishes so fast and leaves her thinking it's her and not him. That was what I wanted to do because I knew I had a playboy and I knew I had a woman who felt like she wasn't his type and he was just doing this for the sake of appearances. Right. Yeah. So I knew I wanted that mis- misdirected miscommunication. And then the back end of her section, there's a miscommunication that gets at his tender spot, too. That is something that I added later. That's something that came as I was was revising and editing. But I, I didn't know what was going to set up the the impetus to, to find for them to finally have sex. But I just knew that I wanted that him to be embarrassed that he finished so fast and then be horrified, like, oh my God, wait, no, she thinks this was her. Oh, no, no. So I, I just, I thought that would be lovely for both of them. So that is the moment that I knew I wanted to do. And then the lead up to that, all of that changed as I went along with the book mm. and it just kind of flowed. I, I add that little bit of, he was worried that she was in danger. I don't want to say too much because I still want people to read. Yeah. But that <laughs> little bit of that, oh my God, what? Oh, I could have lost. You're like, okay. And that's what tips him over finally in the, in the end. Yeah.
1: Okay, you guys get ready, because this is like, I'm going I'm to, I'm probably going to flame bright red as I'm reading this. So get ready, everyone. <laughs> so amazing. She raised and lowered herself slowly, marveling at the hard heat of his cock, and Aiden let her set the pace at first. She lux- luxuriated in the friction between them, bouncing and rocking and thrilling herself with the sounds their bodies made as they slapped together. With the this... Oh, it's so good. So good. With the delicious sensation of being filled. But soon enough he asserted control digging his fingers into her hips and dragging her down to grind against him. She moaned and arched her back thrusting her breasts forward and he surged upward to take one in his mouth, trapping her between a hand, between a hand gripping the nape of her the, the, the nape of her neck and his tongue torturing her nipple. She felt every point of contact between them as if they were fiery brands searing her skin and stoking the tension coiling inside of her even higher. They were both gasping now. Aiden's mouth was hot against her breast and he slammed into uh, slammed up into her over and over, increasing the pace as her hips moved in a frantic circle as she chased her release. Yes, Aiden, please, please. She begged unable to organize her words into any coherence. Okay. So this, (laughs) this whole thing is so evocative. It's so like, I don't know. I feel like when I was reading it, You know, to myself, uh, before reading out loud, um, I felt like I was in the room with them. Frankly, Mm -hmm. like I was just like there was so there was feel, there was sound, there was sound. Sound is something that I think Mm -hmm. can be so overlooked, Um, and and I'm guilty of it. Like I read, like I read this, I, I was reading this, and I was like. I need to go back over my my (laughs) work in progress and learn some sound because this (laughs) is really extraordinary. Now you've got all of the senses going here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, and and it's kind of like you said before, the
0: sex can be kind of silly, kind of funny. And and the sound thing is there. If you just hear the audio, it would be like, oh, yeah, no, that's I'm not sure how sexy that is, but when you combine it all together, right? It, it's it's all just a a piece of it, and I do I I don't always highlight that in every scene, but in that case, it made sense for her to be kind of aware of everything that was happening, and that's another one where I had to do, like you said, an octopus check. How yeah. many hands does he have? <laughs> Where are all of them? Is he gripping hips now? Is he gripping nape of neck? Like, what's he? Okay. <laughs> so
1: yeah, or, or is that physically possible? Can yeah. one reach here and be here? I mm-hmm. don't really know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I just, finally, I just wanted to read the very, very end of the scene. Because, again, I did think that this was, uh, this was so beautiful. It's, like, this gorgeous moment between them um, that, like, I don't know, like, kind of made me, like, like, it was that... It was that, okay, you're tucking me in moment where of comfort, of like warm feeling. I I really love this. He dropped a quick kiss on her mouth that left her breathless, then gave a sharp whistle. Blue's head, Blue is her dog. Blue's head jerked up and she leapt to her feet with a little woof, then trotted to the bed. She hopped up, spun around three times and curled around Thea's ankles with a contented sigh. My two ladies, that's more like it, he said. And Thea grinned to herself in the dark, Knowing she was about to fall asleep next to the handsomest man she'd ever met. <gasps> oh my God. Like, first of all, I'm a sucker for a dog in a book. Well, I, I mean, you got to make him a dog lover, right? He's oh, got to be
0: good with dogs. So,
1: God. <laughs> so, anyway, that moment I thought was absolutely uh, gorgeous um, and a gorgeous way to end this scene between the two of them where there was so much miscommunication and so much fumbling and so much. And then They've they've really sort of come together now, and I'm going. This couple is going to go the distance.
0: Mm-hmm. But and I also love, and I I kind of hope uh, readers also do the. Oh, they're so happy right now. Oh God, what's gonna what's she gonna do to them? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that
1: actually because... does hit my head. Like, oh,
0: <laughs> because so that's now. what romance does too. Anytime you get to that really happy place before that that you know the the final chapter, you know there's gonna be. Some shit coming down the bike. That's gonna, you know. So I, I really, I liked the the domesticity because he, he has been faking it for business reasons. You know, this, this I'm settled, I'm happy, and then to show him actually settled and happy, not having expected it, not having planned it. You know, everything that happened wasn't orchestrated by anybody. It just unfolded, unfolded organically. And so for for him to end living out this fantasy that he's been trying to show the world and really liking it. And, and she just being like, this is so wonderful. I know this can't last, but look, you know, this is, this is so, this slice is so great right now that then they have to navigate it the next morning and and there's more conversation and, you know, that's how it goes.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, knowing that we, you know, you've got to break them up, right. You've got to do something that's going to drive a wedge between them. Um, how, how do you balance that sort of, cause you're, th- this book is funny. It's funny. It's fun. It's funny. It's a, it's a fun read, but then how, how do you balance that? The the romance and the comedy elements along with that, the inks that you are, you know, that you need, that you, that you need to make the characters grow. Um, it is hard
0: sometimes because I don't, I like to promise a lighter experience for readers. Mm-hmm. So I'm never going to, to do, I I don't think I will ever be somebody who writes dark. I'm not going to ever advertise a dark, gritty reading experience because that's just not what I lend myself to. And so because of that, the conflicts are going to be, it's not kidnapped by a mob boss. Bless up those books. I love reading them, but I can't, that's not what I write. And so it's right. always going to be, I try to keep the conflicts very character driven, uh, very built into their own um, personalities, flaws clashing goals is great. If I can make it so, you know, what one character needs is in conflict with what the other character has been working toward, that's a that's a great way to do it because it is organic. It's not something that is that is coming out of nowhere or over the top or or out of context for the the world that I've built. So it is going to be a you know, I I need to do this and I understand that it is in 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 contrast to what you need from me, and so our breakup is you know, inevitable based on the circumstance, except I have to examine, is that a circumstance I actually need and come around with personal change for that. So it's always going to be, I, hopefully, with with me, internal conflict meeting external conflict, but not anything that is upsetting, dramatic, traumatic, anything like that. um the the right amount of angst to make you, you know, you get that little kind of worry in your stomach when you read g- a good romance and mm. it's like oh, no, are they gonna I mean I know they will but I still feel really bad as I'm reading it. I I want a little bit of that but I I try to keep everything really grounded in the world of the characters and in the the world of their their own reactions but it's hard. Yeah. Also, I'm an inappropriate joker. I'm the person who who is when my husband and I fight I have to kind of say to him are we joking about this yet? Like, can I make the joke I want to make? Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, you know, I, so I'm going to put that in, in my fight scenes also that, that, yeah. you know, they can be fighting, but they can also, somebody can throw a joke in and just be like, I can't, I can't help, it, I have to. So that helps too, I think, to keep them true to their, their observant witty natures of the characters that I write to kind of throw that in too.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm one I ha- I struggle with that. Um, The that just just being okay with sort of like that internal conflict mm-hmm. and and letting that propel the story. Right. Like I actually I really struggle with that because I always want something big and dramatic. <laughs> Here's the thing, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call you on this. It's
0: it's because yeah. you also write urban fantasy, right? Lovely. Most of my writers friend my writer friends are urban fantasy and paranormal romance writers, and okay. I'm the contemporary romance writer in the group. And so all of them have like epic dragon fights or <laughs> demon army versus demon army. And I'm like, okay, my characters have been sitting on a couch for four chapters, and now they're having a disagreement because his job wants him to leave town. That is my conflict. <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel like you urban fantasy paranormal people you have these huge epic stakes and my stakes are so low in comparison in my books but they're so high for the characters because yeah. i feel like those are the stakes for so much of us every day you know I, I i love this person but i don't know if i can make it work because of you know the way he manages money or you know th- these things that are they're big but the stakes are not I am the chosen one and I have to stop this marauding army of demons from hell. Like It's it's just such a different level. So right. I I'm able to adjust my stakes to, to be in my world and keep them really, really low on the, on the scale of conflict from zero to apocalypse. Right. But in my world, it's so everything for these characters, but I just, I, I love that, that the, the you people who plot those things, I don't know how you do it. I don't know Funny, magical <laughs> powers and shifters, and like God
1: bless you, <laughs> well, my romance has been uh, has been c- contemporary it's there yeah. are no um although like I'm looking forward to writing my first paranormal, but there are no sort of like you know demons worlds and dystopian you know things and so but i'm writing I'm writing Rock star romance, so I have to say this whole Harvey Weinstein thing has kind of been a gift mm-hmm. because <laughs> I'm like, Reading about his shenanigans, and I was like, "Oh, Mossad! He brought Mossad in." Oh, yeah, <laughs> I can add danger. <laughs> I can add danger. Like I was like, "Yes, I can add danger. That's awesome." You know, instead of just letting the characters be emotional and realizing that, that is enough. Like that mm-hmm. is enough. That that's a high enough. Uh, those stakes are high enough. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I just come a little more naturally to. Emotional stakes and and recognizable life conflict that you or I might have in our own lives elevated a little bit blown out a little bit, you know, in a romance world, of course, it's I, I don't have characters fighting over who's balancing the checkbook or anything like that <laughs> challenge accepted. I wonder if I could do that. But but yeah, I, I think I'm just I'm a little more comfortable with these these very internal emotional twists and turns and how that can come up against uh, book two is an opposite to track book and the the final fight is about what is successful for this business they're building together and his version of success because he is an introvert and he doesn't like being in the public eye is one thing and she is a raging extrovert PR professional and her version of success is very different and so that's their final conflict is just this what I want to do for the business is not what you want to do for the business. And you want me to do this thing that I can't do. And if you, that's all you want from me, we can't do this anymore. So it's, it's that kind of thing that I just, I I love it when it comes, when you, when you kind of see it coming, even, I love a conflict that you, you're like, I, I see the iceberg up ahead and the Titanic is just headed to it and they love each other, but is it going to be enough? You know, that's the kind of conflict that I think can, can work really well in, in my world anyway.
1: (laughs) So uh... So the Me series, what what is the theme or through line that sort of weaves all these books together? I am so bad at I'm so bad at seeing these things
0: in my own writing. Um, But what I read a review in one of my early books that jumped out at me and I thought, yeah, this actually is this is my through line. It's it's characters who could be your friends in your life, finding love and i throw tropes at them i throw the opposites attract i throw the uh, you know s- s- stuck in a blizzard together with your friend turned enemy it's mm-hmm. it's things like that but it's characters that you would want to spend time with so it's it's delightful people finding love that's honestly my I third line is it. just it's 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 a warm comfort read of nice people who you'd want to hang out with and you watch them pair off with each other one couple at a time. That's the through line on that. It's 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 tropes and delightful people and happy endings with a lot of steam.
1: I love it. <laughs> Sarah, where can readers find you?
0: Oh, well, I am uh if you go to my website, let's start with this, Sarah okay. Whitney.com. It's S A R A W H I T N E Y. I have no H on the Sarah. Blame my mother. Um you can actually sign up for if you if you sign up for my newsletter, I have a free story that I give away. It's a it's a Enemies to Lovers, short story, they have neighboring season ticket seats for the Chicago Cubs, and they hate each other, but they share an armrest. And so oh. every every scene is a different home game. And so we watch their relationship progress with Game 2, and then Game 6, and then Game 13, and you kind of see how their enmity evolves and there's so much banter and there's so much back and forth and I it's it's a it's a fun little story so if you go to my website Sarahwhitney.com you can sign up for my newsletter and I will send you a copy of that right away uh, I'm on Facebook Sarah Whitney author again no H on Sarah um, I have a reader group it's uh, Sarah Sasquad I just as I say that out loud I realize it almost sounds like Sarah's Sasquatch and now I kind of want to change it to that but it's sasquad squad uh and that is you know it's it's more low-key laid-back memes funny things um eye candy i post some eye candy on on the regular too (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: Um, instagram wise you can find me at sarah whitney and i think i have an underscore at the end of whitney there because as it turns out sarah whitney is there's a couple of us out there running around. We're going to do battle one day for the Supreme Sarah Whitney. But in the meantime, I have an underscore at the end of Whitney. Uh, and I'm also on Twitter. Um, and I do a little bit of, of book talk there as well. But uh, truly, my, my newsletter is the best way to find out about new releases and things like that. And uh, Facebook is always good because I do post there. And I, I love hearing from readers. And I'd love it if you sign up and get uh, get Game On, my short story, and let me know what you think. And
1: Yeah. Yeah. And keep an eye out for for Tempting Lies or the whole Tempt Me series, which I am now going back and getting like every single book because it's really fantastic. (laughs) I really love reading it.
0: And it is the first three books are available in Kindle Unlimited. So you can you can purchase it Amazon. You can read for free if you are part of KU book four, Tempting Lies. When it comes out, it's going to be wide for a week. So uh-huh. people, you know, who are Barnes and Noble people or uh, Kobo people or whoever could uh, can grab that. And then we're going to I'm going to put it in uh, KU so you can wait an extra week after its and It'll turn up in KU as well. And I need to get to work on book five because it's going to be good.
1: <laughs> awesome. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Thank oh. you so much for doing this.
0: This was so fun. Thank you so much. I, I <laughs> hope that uh, all your conversations are good. And I can't wait to hear what other authors say inspires them and what their process is. I'm really excited to hear how other people do it. This is such a great idea for a
1: conversation. Thank you. Thank you. you. So I'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.